0: Part 3, Chapter 12 of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Zinkevich, translated by Benyon and Malevsky. Part 3, Chapter 12. Lygia, in a long but hasty letter, took an eternal farewell of Vinitius. It was known to her that nobody was allowed to enter the prison, and that she could only see him from the arena, therefore she begged him to find out when their turn would come and to be present at the games for she wished to see him once more in life there was no sign of fear in her letter she had written that she and others yearned already for the arena where they would find freedom from imprisonment she hoped for the coming of pomponia and aulus she begged that they too be present every word of hers showed the ecstatic contempt of life in which all the imprisoned lived and at that same time an unshaken faith that the promises must be fulfilled beyond the grave whether christ she wrote free me now or after death he hath promised me to thee by the mouth of the apostle therefore i am thine She implored him not to grieve for her, and not to permit himself to be afflicted. She did not regard death as a dissolution of marriage with a child's truthfulness she assured vinitius that after the torture in the arena she would tell christ that her betrothed marcus remained behind in rome that he yearned for her with his whole heart she thought that christ would permit her soul to return for a while to assure him that she was living that she did not remember the torture and that she was happy her whole letter breathed happiness and intense hope there was only one petition connected with earthly affairs that vinitius should remove her body from the amphitheatre and bury it as his own wife in the same tomb where he himself would eventually rest he read this letter with a perturbed spirit at the same time it appeared to him impossible that lygia should perish by the claws of wild beasts and that christ would not have compassion upon her in that belief were hidden hope and trust When he returned home, he wrote her an answer. He promised to come every day behind the walls of the prison, and wait there and see if Christ would not crush the walls and give her to him. He commanded her to believe that he could deliver her to him even from the circus. The great apostle had confirmed him in that faith, and the moment of delivery was at hand. The converted centurion was to carry her this letter on the morrow when vinitius went next morning to the prison the centurion left the ranks approached him and said listen to me master christ who enlightened thee hath shown thee his favor last night caesar's freedmen and those of the prefect came to select the christian maidens for dishonor they asked for thy betrothed but our lord sent her a fever from which prisoners often die and they left her Yesterday evening she was unconscious, and blessed be the name of the Redeemer, for the same sickness which saved her from dishonor may also save her from death. Vinitius leaned heavily on the soldier's shoulder, so that he might not fall. The other continued, Thank the mercy of God they have taken and tortured Linus, but seeing that he was in the last agonies, they have given him back to his own. Perchance they will now return her to thee, and Christ will heal her. The young tribune stood for a while with drooping head then he raised it and said in a whisper tis so centurion christ who saved her from dishonor will also save her from death he sat at the wall of the prison until evening then he returned home to send his people for linus and bring him to one of his suburban villas when petronius had heard everything he also determined to act first he called on poppaea at this second visit he found her at the bed of little rufius the child his head badly bruised was suffering from fever with anguish and despair in her heart his mother had tried all means to save him yet she feared that if she did save him it would be only for a more dreadful death occupied entirely with her own pain she did not even wish to hear of vinitius and lygia but petronius terrified her thou hast offended he said to her a new and unknown divinity it seems that thou augusta art a worshipper of the hebrew jehovah but the christians maintain that christ is his son think then if the anger of the father is not pursuing thee who knows but it is their vengeance which met thee who knows but that the life of rufius depends on this how wilt thou act what dost thou want me to do asked the terrified appease the offended deities how lygia is sick seek to influence caesar or tigellinus to give her back to vinitius and she cried out in her despair thinkest thou that i am able to do this thou canst do something else when lygia recovers she must meet her doom go to the temple of vesta and command that the head vestal be near the mamertine at the moment when the prisoners are led to death and that she command that the maiden be freed the head vestal will not refuse thee. but if lygia dies of the fever the christians say that christ is vengeful but just perchance thou wilt propitiate him by thy wish alone Let him give me some sign that rufius will be healed petronius shrugged his shoulders i come not as his envoy o divinity i only say this to thee better be on good terms with all the gods roman as well as foreign i will go said poppaea with a broken voice petronius breathed deeply at last i have succeeded in something he thought and returning to vinitius he said ask thy god that lygia die not of the fever for if she does not die the chief vestal will order her freedom the augusta herself will ask her to do it vinitius looking at him with fever bright eyes replied christ will save her poppaea who was ready to burn hecatombs to all the gods for the recovery of rufius went that same evening through the forum to the vestals leaving the patient in the care of her faithful nurse sylvia by whom she herself had been reared but on the palatine the sentence had already been issued scarcely had the litter of poppaea disappeared behind the great gate when two of caesar's freedmen entered the room where little rufius rested one of them threw himself on old sylvia and gagged her the other seizing a bronze statuette of the sphinx stunned her with a single blow then they approached rufius who insensible from fever knew not what was going on around him he smiled to them and winked his beautiful eyes as though trying to recognize them but they taking the girdle from the nurse put it around his neck and began to strangle him the child cried once for his mother and died easily then they wrapped him in a sheet mounting horses that awaited they hastened as far as ostia where they threw the body into the sea poppaea not finding the head virgin who was with the other vestals at the house of vatinius soon returned to the palatine she found the bed empty and beside it the cold body of sylvia she fainted and when they restored her she fell to sobbing and her wild cries were heard during all that night and the following day but, on the third day, Caesar commanded her to appear at a feast. She arrayed herself in an amethyst-coloured tunic and came and sat stony-faced golden-haired silent, wonderful, ill-omened as the angel of death. End of part Three, Chapter Twelve.